from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back Thank to Superiority Complex. Back, I'm not even going to stop this time. Welcome back to the Superiority Complex, everybody. Your new favorite podcast. This is the third time we've tried to record today. Oh, we were originally scheduled for a tw- uh, le- what? Tw- a noon start time. Noon. It is it now, is now 4:40. Well, it is now 4:41. Anchor's having trouble. I'm having trouble. Phones are dying. Jake has saved us. We're on Google Meetings today. Uh, this is this is brought to you by Google Meetings, um, because uh, Anchor the app is down, and that's how we've been uh, recording remotely. But here we are in the middle of a pandemic, and we we got through it thanks to Jake. I appreciate it, Jake. My pleasure. And uh, this is different from other weeks because we can actually see each other. So I'm looking at. I know. I can so actually happy. see Justine not paying attention right now. She's thumbing I can see through Justine a magazine on her switch. <laughs> She's, I'm not on my switch. She's thumbing through AOC, the AOC thumbing Vanity Fair. Uh, what is it? She's thumbing through some Sharper Image magazine. Oh, <laughs> Sharper Image? That's the uh, mm-hmm. Spencer's Gifts for Adults is what that is. Just, just uh, <laughs> Spencer's Gift for the Rich. For the rich. Uh, John Sandy's here. Justine is here. And, of course, Dan, the man of the hour. Dan, handsome Dan Handsome. Uh, that's your buddy yes, Jake. Uh, I live my life. I have lived my life last minute fixes. So he lives his life this one quarter easy. mile at a time is what he's trying to say, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. we haven't gotten that far in the movie club yet. But it's good to see everybody. We're actually seeing one another. Uh, we went over Thanksgiving plans wow. in our in- our initial recording. Uh, all very standard stuff. We're all happy. We're all thankful, of course. Uh, mostly f- uh, thankful for this podcast to uh, kind of uh, help us escape from the dreariness of our pedestrian lives uh i mean at least that's that's what i'm thankful for <laughs> um but we are thankful of course to be together uh even though we're apart and uh you know shout outs to everybody who uh, supports this podcast we are thankful for you as well uh lots of other great podcasts support us and lots of our usual listeners and you know you, you all know who you are but uh, we are thankful here uh every week not just thanksgiving Thank week you. yeah we're thankful well, yeah. every week for you guys. Um, but it is good to see John Sandy and good to see the top of Justine's head because she's reading that magazine and she's really nope. into it. <laughs> anymore because you guys can see me. Yep. That's what I love about this. I told uh, I told Jake we should do this every week. This is the best idea we've ever. This is the best last minute idea we've ever had. It's great. <laughs> uh, Jake looks like he's streaming like a, a Twitch right now. That's like the kind of angle he's got. This is, this is my same. This is my same setup. Yeah, he's got the angle. I have my phone because I put it to the side. Maybe I should put it in front. Of would you like me? Would you like here? We're gonna. I, well, that that's not gonna work. So you're just gonna get the same angle. Sorry. How's this? How do I look now? Huh? I'm coming right you at you. Amazing. Close yeah, and personal. There you go. There you go. That's the way you want. That's the I way can, the people want to see me. I can count the nose hairs. Oh, I. You can. One. One. Two, and by the way, John's three. beard. For those of you who have not seen it, it's in its full glory. It's in its it's blossoming like like Japanese cherry blossoms. Yeah, John keeps it's it clean. Mm-hmm. John keeps it clean. <laughs> John's always good. It's a clean machine. You're always good with the edge work, John. I noticed because that's hard to do. The edge keeping the edges clean. How long does it take you to it's- to manicure that beard every day? 
oh, you know, five minutes. I've been doing it for 30 years. So, you know, it's like five minutes will do it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's, John's has very clean lines, very clean. Never, mm, never unkempt. Yeah, it always looks nice. Uh, I I'm do- a little bit older than your beard then. <laughs> oh, oh, <God. laughs> oh man that is crazy and you're that that is crazy. And, and you're both just as white so it all works out well <laughs> weird a weird response hey. <laughs> uh, i wish you were closer because right. i got a good laugh and it didn't the the, the the bad sound quality robbed me of my uh of my joy there uh, but it is okay. it really is nice to see your faces while we do this because I do miss being around the table. I went to visit our friends at Undercity a couple of weeks ago and I saw the old podcast room and oh brought back a lot of I went uh, Mario I went yesterday and uh, Sue is there. Oh nice. How is she doing? She's doing fine. Renee wasn't there. Sue is there. We talked a little bit. And you're right. It's sad to see that room because it's full of boxes of comics. It's not Yeah. I mean, I guess they do use it for some broadcasts, I guess. Yeah, uh, uh, well, our friend Renee is doing the Keeping Up With The Nerds podcast out of there. Even though he's not supposed to, but, you know. (laughs) Well, he he works there, so technically it's fine. But Mm. if you... if you haven't, did you uh, find it a little sad? Yeah, of course, man. That's where we used to meet up, and and I miss spending a hundred dollars after every show. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I do miss that, but I miss Renee. You Take know, it's my money under city. It's always good to see Renee. Uh, but yeah, Justine's now dancing. Oh, she's gonna recline yeah. like Cleopatra. Uh, we're gonna. Yeah. gonna- <laughs> I moved the I moved the bed up so I can lean back. Look at Jake. Jake's 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 letting you know, ladies. <laughs> Jake put up the armrests. The armrests are up. The the chairs recline. We are ready for a good time. Jake, what 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 Whoa. worries me is you put one armrest up, and I usually know what that means. Uh, so. Oh, he did. Two. Oh, it was two. Okay. It's gonna be a real good time. Oh wow. So worried. That's great. He's ambidextrous. Switch hitter, yeah. Ambidextrous. Good times. Um, Yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. excited to see you. It is nice to see your faces. Um, Not enough that I want to do this every week, but it's nice once in a while, you know? Every week. (laughs) Every week to make sure Justine's paying attention. Yeah, this is great. This is going to be the most focused she's been in a long time. She's actually... He's going to contribute outside of the outside of the Justine. What do you think about this movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, Pretty you sound great, Justine. You actually sound good. Are you using the, the mic on your computer or on your phone? The computer. My and phone's charging, so and, I can't use my phone. John, you're on your phone right now. I'm on my phone. How's the how's the audio sound? It sounds good, sounds man. Great. Sounds good. Yeah, you sound great. I mean, nothing mm-hmm. sounds like we're when we're all together, obviously, but we're making it work. Yeah. So, uh, thanks again to uh, Handsome Dan Handsome. Now, all of a sudden, Patrick's position here looking real dicey because look what look what Jake brings to the table. Jake brings there some technical is. prowess. There he is. What's up, Patrick? Say hi. Hi. We miss hi. you, man. Love you. Patrick's he's not joining because he's tired and also didn't watch the movie. This is this is this is hell week for retailers, and and of course uh, Patrick uh, works uh, retail, and so he is uh, he's going to go take a little nappy poo. Now, I mean, God bless him. I guess if you're not thinking too hard about it, uh, Patrick's uh, a girl. His girlfriend uh, works retail also, but somehow she's she's 
able to make it. So I think that just goes, mm-hmm. goes to show you who the tougher who the tougher is of the two. Who ta- who takes this podcast seriously is. But we appreciate it because this is a week I really wanted Justine here because I really want to hear Justine's take on Flash Gordon. I cannot wait. And- no. <laughs> I want to hear her thoughts on Just watch. I was really hoping you guys were going to be like, "Oh, you didn't watch it yet? Like, it's fine." I already saw the pictures of the movie. I was like, I don't want to watch it. Uh, and uh, Mario was like, start now. It's it's like it's yeah. 12 o'clock. Start now. Now. <laughs> you were really hoping? Yeah, I was hoping not fun. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I was hoping to. Well, you know. I think look- like the first, the first 20 minutes in, I already texted you guys. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you loved it, though. You loved it. You like a pink sky. Who doesn't like a pink hey. sky? You need to show some respect. He saved every one of us. Okay. Yeah. Save he needs, uh, he's the savior of he's the universe. Miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Appreciate How about your boy, um, your boy, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. How about, how about your boy who is in Fiddler on the Roof? I don't remember his name. Topo, Topo. Gigio. <laughs> Topo Gigio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love him. Yeah, how about that? Wait, looks exactly the same. Yeah, kind of does, huh? Uh, were you ready to do the, uh, the 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 fiddler on the roof dance, Jake? I don't know the fiddler on the roof dance. You but... know the one. That's it. That's it. You know it. Very good, Jake. Very good. You know That's all I got. That's a That's great got. Topol Gigio you're doing there. And he well, does like let's a little, just, let's just, a little <laughs> chest shimmy thing yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah. Let's uh let's You've jump let's jump yeah, into the I've uh, seen that part. We're halfway in. Let, I mean and also that's what she said. So let's go ahead and uh roll the theme music. Da, 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 da. Digital movies. Da, da, da. Digital movies. Da, 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 da. You're in the club. Boom. We're in. Digital Movie Club. Welcome to the Digital yeah. Movie Club, everyone. This week, two hard-hitting early 80s classics. Classics is a strong word. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Don't abuse it. We're going to go. We're, we already started talking about it, so let's jump right in with uh, Flash Gordon, guys. Who's pumped for Flash Gordon? I can't wait. Patrick, give us the breakdown. <laughs> Patrick's not here. So Flash Jake- Gordon released date uh, in December 5th, 1980, um, with a budget of 20 to $27 million. It doesn't give me a specific number. Um, however, how many lira box office box office was $27.1 million. It made $100,000 <laughs> with an IMDb score of 6.5 and rotten tomato scores of 83%. 83, 83, yeah. 83 mm. seems high. Mm-hmm. Wow. 83. All right. Mm. Um, rotten well, tomatoes does tend to rate it a little bit higher. Cause, yeah. Cause it's user rating. Yeah. User rating. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's been, 40 years, so maybe it got a cult status. It does have a cult following. And by the way, Justine, you want to watch the documentary Life After Flash on Amazon Prime. Is what you want to watch. No, next. I don't. 
You do, though. You do want to watch it. It's very interesting. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me tell you. What was that? Pretty sure I don't. Let me let me tell you guys about this movie. My experience with this movie. Why is it in the digital movie club? Uh, yeah, why? Well, basically because I knew I wanted to torture you guys. So mm. um, when I was a kid, I saw the commercials. This actually had a great ad. They kind of did. They serialized the uh, the commercials. They they would say, "Oh, Flash is doing this. Well, will he survive?" And they do another one like a few <laughs> days later, and they'd show you all these scenes from the movie. And the one scene I always liked was the scene where he's in the swamp and that he lands on that uh, waterbed and the waterbed has arms in it that grabs him. Um, what? <laughs> what did you say, Justine? I don't remember that scene. <laughs> it's the giant, whatever that creature is that traps him in the swamp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, no, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. that thing. Yeah. Uh, so I had only seen bits and pieces of this for years and years. Um, when I worked at the video store, they throw it on every once in a while. I knew the soundtrack. Everybody knows that soundtrack. Uh, yeah. But Queen. I, I had, Queen fan. I had only sat down and watched it from beginning to end, beginning to end in, I, I want to say maybe the last five years. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't see it in the theater. Didn't see it in the theater. Mm. Uh, which is weird because my dad was a huge Flash Gordon fan growing up. He liked really? Buck Rogers and and all those serials. So he he read the Sunday comics. Uh, well, you know, he saw them as a kid in the series, the serial, the old serials. With the, oh, with Buster Crab. The wow. old Buster Crab. Yeah, that those. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How about that. So that's how he knew about Flash Gordon. But I think by this time, my dad was like, "Who wants to see Flash Gordon? We've got Star Wars now. You know what I mean? Which is basically a remake of you know the old Flash Gordon. Sure. Right? Uh, you know the story. Oh uh, yeah, Luke." Yeah, Luke George Lucas wanted to do a movie of Flash Gordon. He couldn't get the right, so he said, eh, "I'll write my own." The rest is history. <laughs> Boom. Uh, yeah. And now you have a movie going. Hey, this is the source for that. Let's do it. Yeah. And then this. So Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, so the old Dino. So uh, this, I only saw it in its entirety for the first time, and I really was kind of meh about it. But it, I mean, I expected it to be that way because it's a cult movie. And from what I saw, you know, and I wasn't hugely into the source material, but I thought let's watch it because I feel like you, we need to we need to keep having a discussion about it. Com- keeps coming back to Star Wars. You have to see what the other offerings were, you know, mm. right? Right. And, and mm-hmm. you know what happens in the wake of Star Wars. You know, now Star Wars is hugely popular. There are mm-hmm. now other attempts to kind of launch a blockbuster franchise, and this is one of them, obviously. So uh, that's kind of where we were. And it was four bucks. So who cares? Um, Did you catch it at the Whittier Theater? Uh, no, no, no. I never caught it. Uh, I never caught it. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, never caught it. Did you see it in the theater, John? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was like, I think it was uh, it was a double feature. It, it didn't do well out the gate. So I think they were already pairing it up with another movie at the time. What was it? Well, do you remember the second feature? I can't feature? think of it. It might have been something like Excalibur or Dragon Slayer or something. They were already teaming up with something else. Ice Pirates? Something. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, that would have been right on the money. Ask, yeah. Did you say Ice <laughs> I was reading your shirt. That's what I heard. <laughs> that would have been a better movie. Yeah. Uh, ass Pirates? <laughs> ice Gordon and Ass Pirates. Ice, ice Pirates. Okay. Flash Gordon uh, and the Ass Pirates. Well, now I just look like an ice hole. Flash, 
Whoa. Were you a queen? What? What was that, John? Who doesn't love? Who doesn't Are you a Queen fan? Oh man, of course, jo- John. You you always you always have one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, What's that? What it was like to like like how how big Queen was when you were in high school, oh. but how everybody yeah, yeah. everybody would kind of uh, would kind of preface it by saying, "Look, I'm not gay, but I really love Queen." <laughs> back in the right. back in the old homophobic yeah. '70s, like listen to me, I'm not yeah, gay. Exactly. I'm not gay, but hear me out. I really like I Queen. One, I ain't one of those homos, but I do love <laughs> Queen. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. The so, 70s, the good old 70s. So, John, what was your what was your take on Flash Gordon when you saw it in the theater? Uh, you know, pretty bad, pretty campy. But I knew what I was in for because the, the screenwriter is Lorenzo Semple, who wrote the Batman TV series. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't wasn't mm. surprised when it was really corny and campy and kind of goofy. I thought, well, this is par for the course. And, um, you know, it was kind of fun, but I, I, I didn't think it was any great shakes, you know. It did. It did get me to go back and look at the old uh, comic strips. By that time, they were doing like reprints of the old Flash Gordon comic strips from the uh, from the '30s, and that artwork is just mind blowing. And it, you know, it influenced everybody, from Frank Frazetta to you know Alex Ross. Everybody just thought it was the greatest. Yeah, uh, and, Alex um, Ross turns up in the uh, in the documentary. There's a lot of people that turn up in the documentary. Yeah, you know, he did the he did the cover art on the DVD. I, on my DVD box, he did the cover art. It's pretty amazing. I guess this was a major turning point in his life. But uh, then when you see like the the old serials, Channel Five used to show the old '30s Flash Gordons from the uh, from the '30s, the ones your dad liked so that, much. That's right. Yeah. And what's funny is. They really captured the look of it. This new one, you know, the way the spaceships looked and the, the Hawkmen and the castles and Ming the yeah. Merciless, it all looks like it looked in the 30s, just in color. Yeah. You know? Because those rocket ships were like, um, they had a sparkler in the back and it was like hung on a fishing line. Yeah, and they and, made, they, made you know, a, they they had that hum noise. I always remember that. Yeah, yeah as they flew around. Had that really, but, it sounded like um, a bug zapper. Exactly. So, you know, it's... They didn't stray too far from the look of the original serial, you know. No, uh, I feel like it went. It it's it it's a weird. This movie has a weird. It, it doesn't quite know where to go. It it's not quite campy enough, but yeah. in, at times it's too campy, you know. Right. And I think the one guy, the, the one guy that survives it is Max von Sydow. He he chews the scenery just enough, you know. I think he really pulled it off really tough to pull that off without like twirling your mustache. But I think he comes out of it pretty good. I actually thought uh, Timothy Dalton ended up looking good. Cause he just decided, well, I'm going to go Errol Flynn with this and it kind of yeah. works. It kind of, cause he has that look. He has that look think of, of like all the goofy, uh, think of all the goofy movies that Timothy Dalton has done. And he always survives. Yeah. He always gets, he always comes out smelling like a rose. He never <laughs> looks like he's slumming, you know, that's why he's, he's he, he, in the face. <laughs> what's that? At one point, he has like this, like scratch on his face, and he goes like this. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's get to so so, John. You now looking back as you've gotten older, you said you had just seen this like a month ago. What made you yeah. revisit it? I and I made myself watch it again um, today. This morning, I got up. I said, "I better, I better not go on my memories from yeah. two months ago. I, I better bite the bullet and catch it again." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 
there are moments that are fun. If you're a Queen fan, the soundtrack is really a lot of fun. Sure. Because uh, Brian May, I mean, that was that was an original score. He wrote the whole damn thing. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of a silly thing to have this <laughs> to have a Queen soundtrack for this thing. Yeah, yeah. But it works. John, There's what- some very funny lines. There's some bits that really, I think the funniest line in the whole movie is when they're hanging in the dungeon and Timothy Dalton turns to Topol and says, now tell me more about this Harry Houdini. <laughs> you know, like they're all chained to the wall. He says, yeah. now tell me again about this chap, uh, Harry Houdini. <laughs> yeah, there are. It's a throwaway line. They're going, God, that's like out of Mad Magazine. You know, they're all chained, arms and legs. It's like, there, there uh, are some nice moments, and uh, and uh, it is, yeah, it's just, it's a shame that it didn't add up to more. Um, and then, of course, yeah, one problem is it, it looks like after you've seen Star Wars, this looks like a cheap knockoff, and you don't realize that this is the source material for Star Wars. Yeah, and everything after Star Wars just looks kind of cheap, you know. And you realize they beat him to the punch. He used all that stuff that you know. Yeah, right down to the uh, right down to that. Uh, that, uh, that kingdom in the air, you know, that's, you know, cloud, cloud cities taken right from that. Sure. Know? And what sucks is, uh, they also decided to go with a real disco look too. That doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything's very disco. Everything's very disco. It it because it's, it's all, it all looks like it's all spandex and it all looks like they walked off a of studio 54. Yep. Exactly. You know? It's like exactly. leather boots and spandex and, you know, glitter in the hair. It just, it shows exactly when it was made. You know? Yeah, Exactly. Uh, so Justine, what did you think having to watch it? I mean, you had to watch it in a rush, so I know you couldn't really take it in, but, uh, let's talk about what you thought about Flash Gordon. When I had to pee, I just let it go. (laughs) That's how much I love the movie. I didn't even pause it. I just, we're afraid you'd you'd miss something. What 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 that sounded like for half a second was you just peed where you were sitting. Is what you made yeah. that sound like? When it's I, not worth it. When I had it's to pee, I when I had to pee, I let it go. Yeah. Uh, did you say you peed? Did you say you peed on the movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. It's okay. It was okay. Were you? Did you find? Did you find Sam Jones to be hunky? Um. Is that the guy that played uh, Flash Gordon? Mm-hmm. So is he a real football player? No. Okay, because no. they like really played that up earlier, and I was like, "This is so stupid." But oh, he's real. He's real. Like right. <laughs> Flash is <laughs> Flash Gordon is a football player in this iteration. Yeah, yeah. I believe originally he was like a polo part. player or something. What but was I that? Figure- Oh, he's a football player. That's why he acts like that. That's why the movie's not as great because it played around this football player, but he's not. So it just makes it worse. <laughs> Um, I liked Timothy Dalton. Yes. I thought he was going to die quickly. And I'm like, oh, he's a small part. So they're probably going to kill him off um, when they were fighting. Mm-hmm. But it all like, it was all really sweet. Even the, um, uh, the Vulcan, Vulcans, Vulcans, Vultans. Yeah. they were Vulcar. so funny when they were hitting that guy in the head with the, the people in the red. <laughs> And he just kept hitting that guy, and like he would get up and would hit him again in the head. I just thought that whole part was really funny. Um, and then what else happened? Their fight. I thought he was going to die, Timothy Dalton, but um, it was really cute because all of them were really thankful. They're like, "You're giving me a second chance. That's so nice." 
like, well, right. it's kind of funny because at first you also think that Doctor, uh, what is it, Zarkov, that he's going to be kind of a bad guy, and he ends up being like not so bad. Like you know, he ends up like you know, he just needed someone to help him out, and sometimes you got to ask people at gunpoint. You know how it is. <laughs> um. It was good. I just, um, nah, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it's good. It was, um, it was entertaining. Oh, okay. Uh, did you notice that, um, did you guys notice that, uh, Dr. Zarkov's original, uh, assistant was, uh, Porkins? Did you guys notice that? Yes. Yes. And also from, uh, Indiana Jones. Right? Yeah. He's the army intelligence yeah. officer. Yeah. How oh, great. Porkins. Yeah. Always. <laughs> Always on the run. <laughs> so, Justine, what did you not like about it? What struck you as like it's uh, it's a bit of a mess. It's it's very. Uh, um, yeah, it has the seventy. It definitely has the seventies going to the eighties look, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just cheesy. <laughs> it's a good double feature with uh, Logan's Run. Well, and it sucks because it's Queen's music, but it sounds horrible. Like, it just sounded so old, and I don't know. I just hated it. (laughs) You hated the music? Huh? You hated the music? It's hard because they put Queen's name in the start, so you're like, I'm supposed to like this. Mm -hmm. You're making this real hard. I mean, it is a good soundtrack, but at the same time, the theme song, much like the movie, doesn't really go anywhere. You, just keep you know get- what? It plays it plays better when you're not watching the movie. <laughs> if you're just playing the soundtrack, it's kind of interesting. But when you watch, it doesn't really match the movie. And I don't think they were the first choice. I'm trying to think who they had in mind. It might have been somebody like Tangerine Dream or Pink Floyd. They had somebody in mind, and they couldn't get them. And Queen was like the second choice. Yeah, they because did- I'm not, it doesn't really match. The music doesn't match the imagery. Really, they did say at one point they had Pink Floyd playing as a temp track during some of the scenes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But I don't know if they were an actual choice, but they do mention it in the documentary. Uh, Check that, out the documentary. Check out that documentary, um, Justine. I'm serious. It's very interesting. It's very because it's Sam Jones now. It's like it was made like two or three years ago. So it's really like Why? what? He, just watch. Didn't it. he turn up in Ted? Does he turn up in Ted? I believe so. Yeah. Dream sequence or something? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a fan, right? Yeah. 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 I would group I would group this movie up with Zardoz. Oh wow. That's, that's, that's right. a good that's a good combo. All right, let's just you know, like, put it together and then you're not really mad at either one because you're just like, yeah, you guys are- I, I gotta tell you guys, if you if you made me watch one over the other, I'm gonna take Flash Gordon over Zardoz. I, I'm I'm gonna they're both And you know, each one of those movies has a James Bond in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to bore me with science fiction, and there's nothing more boring when it doesn't work than science fiction. Uh, that is the most boring of the boring. Like when you get a bad sci-fi movie, it's awful. Uh, but if you're going to bore me, at least with Flash Gordon, it's vibrant and fun to look at. Zardoz is just bleak. Zardoz just looks and like... It's, uh- it yeah. is kind of kind of pretentious too. Yeah, it thinks it has something to say. Flash is just well. Let's have some fun and blow things up. Hey, yeah, let's know? throw a football at some aliens. The whole part, I was like, why? That's why I thought he was an actual football well, player. You, like we're just seeing this guy. I think he was an happen. athlete. I don't know if he was a football player, but you can tell whoever directed that scene knew nothing about football. So. <laughs> 
It also bothered no. me because he has this blonde hair, and I'm like, nah, that's not believable. And then he has blonde eyebrows. I'm like, that's not believable. I just didn't like. I didn't like the whole thing. I think that's his real yeah. hair. Is it really? I think so. It didn't look real. It wasn't his voice. His voice was dubbed because he didn't go back to did, do his did looping. Explain, did they explain why? That's kind of a problem, too, all through the movie. Did they explain why uh, he got in trouble with Dino De Laurentiis and they dubbed him later? He was, He ended up not going back because he was trying to get... Uh, it was originally like a three-picture deal, and he started listening to like his agents and stuff who talked him out of... Like, look, you're going to be famous. They need to give you more money. So he... Dis- decided not to go back and then they're like okay you're done so they just got another like a canadian voice actor to uh to replace him because that's distracting it's distracting most of those scenes you go god that doesn't sound like it's coming out of his out of his head yeah 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 uh but that just adds to the mystique of the movie (laughs) or the shittiness jake what did you think of the, the wonderful flash gordon it, you know, this whole movie felt like I was watching the dream sequences in Brazil. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brazil. It's just, it's just so just out there. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I mean, I wasn't even 100% sure what was going on half the time because it was just so distracting <laughs> looking at everything. <laughs> So he was a sent. So they. So. <laughs> no, don't, don't think about it. I don't, just don't think. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I, just, I don't know. Yeah, don't they think got, about they it. Got, they got. They. They got held at gunpoint in in the spaceship, mm-hmm. and he's like, "We gotta go. Play the Earth's gonna blow," <laughs> and then they're they get take. I don't know. It's sad That's because this one. It's supposed to have a storyline, and yet Diner has more of a storyline than this. One. Whoa! <laughs> I could follow. I could follow Diner, kind of. Sort yeah, of. I can follow Diner, but this one, I don't. I I turn around for a split second, and I'm like, "Why is he in a jungle? What's going on?" You accept it, right? I don't. Just like, okay, cool. We're in a jungle now. This fine. It's cool. Like okay, the- there's guys with. They're guys with wings now. Okay. Okay. This is fine. I liked when the Emperor Ming said, you know what word I'm not comfortable with? Nuance. <laughs> Gesture. You're right. Gesture. That's a word I can I can get on board with. But you're right. Nuance, you're right about one thing, know. John. Max von Sydow does do a great job as Ming, and he is a great villain. And you wish he had more. Boy, it, that's 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 no easy trick with that outfit. And really play, playing the stereotypical bad guy, and, and he somehow pulls it off. His little assistant guy, the guy who gets uh, uh, after when his his tongue comes the guy out, in the mask, and his eyeballs. He was great too. Yeah, I, I don't know who that guy is, but he has a great voice. He has like a Shakespearean he did, actor voice. I believe I don't know he's who that guy. Was. I believe he's an English stage actor, but he is fantastic. And he Nicole saw yeah, a scene I mean, with him. A real. Right? Really great voice. Oh, yeah. Every scene. And really, and he's got a crappy mask. That is a terrible mask. It looks like it's tinfoil. But uh, <laughs> the voice coming the voice coming out of that mask is just wonderful. It's like a James Mason level voice, you know? Really good. And uh, my, yeah. Nicole came in at one point where there was a close-up of his ass, of his, almost out of his ass, of his mask. as a close-up of his ass, of his mask. <laughs> And uh, Nicole's words were, dear God, what are you watching? <laughs> That's exactly what she said. 
Dear God, what are you watching? Uh, so, Jake, did you have anything? Were there any redeeming qualities that came out of this movie? Anything at all? I mean, I mean, it looked it looked kind of cool sometimes. Mm-hmm. It definitely there, looked I like mean, an Italian discotheque. Like, like the art style, I think is interesting. It just, I feel like it just didn't make for. A, great movie yeah the, the art deco stuff the art deco stuff is great all the the ships that look art deco are really cool i like all that stuff but yeah, yeah it's just sci-fi or sci-fi there it is like a razor sharp edge that goes from it being like believable and interesting while still having like a little bit of like a fantasy-ish element to it to being completely off the wall goofy and just weird well, yeah, I, what you should do is if you want to see what, what the, how close this is to the 30s, Flash Gordon, just get on YouTube and say, you know, 1936 Flash Gordon. They'll, they'll show you like maybe a five minute clip and you'll see that the ships are the same. The ray guns, all that stuff looks the same. It's just in black and white. <laughs> all right, let's rank so they it, were guys. Going for that. They said we're going to go. They kind of go retro, I think. It's And it's too Why? bad they didn't. It's hard to do. It's hard to pin that down because you're going to do the look. Do you go serious with it? Do you do you try to take it seriously? Do you go camp? But it just didn't. It never gets. Yeah. It never gets campy enough, and it doesn't get serious enough. So this it's just kind of you're left with. Yeah. With so I don't know. It's very you, tough. Very tough pulling that sort of thing off. Yeah. When you pick that when you pick that art style, you're immediately alienating a, like a large portion of a newer potential fan base that you can. That is true. That's actually a great great observation, Jake. You're right. That's a that's a particular audience that's going to pick up on that. Uh, let's rank it. You're immediately pushing for you're pushing for that nostalgic factor of like those old school sci-fi movies without bringing anything new to the table. And how many people in the theater had seen those? Like uh, Mario, your dad skipped it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was there was. You know what I mean? The only people that would have picked up on that would have been people, you know, that age or maybe somebody who'd run across it on TV. It's it's there's no payoff, unfortunately, for the geeks. It's like, hey, that's great. It looks like the old 30s one. But everybody else just goes, what the hell is this? <laughs> kind of like Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. That's kind of the same thing. Right. Like, I think you and I were kind of like, hey, that looks really cool. Not a good movie, but it looks cool. Yeah. But it's not enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. We just saw a special effects reel pretty much. So it's kind of a bummer. But I we- mean, it- you you felt that that was kind of like it looked cool, but it wasn't a great movie, right? Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Of course. Yeah, like of, it, yeah oh. it's, it's great. I mean, like, I'm sure you can get a lot of the screenshots, Mike, and you can pick those apart and say, oh, this looks really interesting as like a as an art piece, but not as it a, been a great music al- video. Almost two hour, not as a two hour movie. <laughs> a great, it would have been a great, yeah. that's right, John. It would have been a great music video. And it probably this was. Movie, this movie I don't know what the, been hour 15. I don't know what the Queen video. I'm sure there was a, an MTV Queen video for this. And maybe they just had the best parts of it in that three minutes, you know. We'll All have to look at that sometime. All right. See if they, if they were able to cut it into like an interesting three minutes for the video. Justine, what do you rank this sucker? If you had to give it a score, what would you give it? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just a hypothetical. Or am I actually putting you're, it? Actually, <laughs> you're actually scoring it. <laughs> Mario Dahl. No, the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, put that, 
<laughs> I was confused. You said, what would you? And I was like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I would give it a three. All right. How about uh, Jake? What do you got over there? Oh, I'll give it a, I'll give it a four. Well, that's actually higher than I thought. John? Um, I give it a five. You know, it's uh, I've seen a lot worse. So, yeah, John and I laughs. It got some solid laughs out of me. So, you know, I'm going to say that uh, for my money, uh, Max von Sydow brings it up and uh, you get some points for Timothy Dalton. um, Yeah. And the other villain, the side villain and uh, Mm. the daughter. What's the daughter's name? Uh, Myrna Loy. Uh, What's the what's the daughter's name? Uh, Allura. Yeah. Allura. Uh, uh, <laughs> her character surprised me. Uh, so I'm going to give it i I'll give it a four. I'll give it a four. It's not the worst I've seen by far. It's not the worst I've seen by, by yeah. far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the big red one. First Infantry Division. Big red one. Directed, written and directed by Samuel Fuller. Take it away, Jake. Big Red One debuted, where did it go? July 18th, 1980, uh, with a budget of $4 million and made a box office total of 7.2. Almost doubled okay. its money. A modest hit. Very low budget. Very, very low budget. $4 million. Not a lot of money. Young Luke Skywalker in there. Uh, you get uh, John. Is it what's the Carradine that's in there? Uh, is he Robert Carradine? Is he is he part of the Carradine family, John? Yes. Uh, Keith Carradine, David Carradine, and Robert Carradine are all sons of John Carradine. Wow! Mm-hmm. All right, and you get the great uh, 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 Bobby DeChico, who we last saw in uh, nineteen. You get some interesting guys. You get nineteen forty one. Bobby DeChico was in nineteen forty one. You get Luke Skywalker. And you get the great Lee Marvin, which I know Justine was very excited about. Uh, but this is our last. This is our last. This is kind of a little revisit to the to the World War II era, and we're not going to be back for a long, long time. This is these movies were kind of out of fashion by the time 1980 rolled around. Um, so uh, it's kind of an interesting movie. I first saw it on on uh, Channel Seven on KABC. And that cut has now been released as the the director's cut. I don't know if you guys watched the director's cut or the – I watched the regular version, which was like a little under two hours. But there's like a two-and-a-half-hour two cut that kind of flushes everything out. But um, And that was recently restored like a few years ago. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the great uh, Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. Uh, uh, so let's go to Justine, our regular our, – or our, our, not our regular, our resident – World War II expert Justine, and uh, find out what she thought of uh, this this movie. Justine, take it away. Uh. <laughs> Not a good. It was. Um, it, I've never seen um, uh, Mark Hamill and anything else mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Besides Star Wars, yeah. so seeing him like a different type of acting, he actually looks pretty good in a normal setting um like i wish he had more range in his character that way i could see more of him acting but that was just my um observation of him as an actor but um 
it was I felt like it was all over the place and it was kind of hard for me to follow but mm-hmm. it had some tough scenes like when they were like oh they just um, surrendered four hours ago and he already killed the guy yeah in the beginning that's was kind of heartbreaking um I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it. Samuel Fuller's hard because Samuel Fuller was like a low budget director and he's used to doing things. Did a lot of John, correct me. He did a lot of like noir stuff, right? That's how he got started. So yeah, he did the first movie. um, He did a movie set in Korea while the war was still going on. Yeah. The steel helmet. Yeah. A lot of his stuff is very, very, um, like you said, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it, it doesn't, there's not a lot of time for character development. It's a lot of, Kind of, you jump from one situation to another. Um, it was a lot of jumping for me, um, so it didn't feel like a war movie, even though it was happening. Mm-hmm. It was like telling, it was kind of just telling a story, and you're kind of seeing every chapter of it. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I didn't feel for anybody. Yeah, it's hard to get to know did the characters. Did you see the long version, Justine? Did you see the long version or the? Uh, did you see the one that was almost? Uh, it felt like a long movie. I don't know how long I watched it. The theatrical was about two. Was a little under two, I think. Because they, they, like Mario said, they reconstructed it, and it was it's about two hours forty five minutes was the reconstruction. So I wonder what one you saw. She probably saw that's that one. You actually have to like seek out the one that's readily What's available streaming? is the one that's re- the one that's re- readily available is the theatrical version. So I'm, I'm assuming that's okay. what you saw. All right. Yeah. Um. I, I like the characters. Um, it was confusing in the beginning because I wasn't sure who the main character was. And you realize it's that guy, the writer. Mm-hmm. But he didn't feel like a main character. So, And I guess I was just distracted by Mark Hamill. And at that point, Mark Hamill was already famous. So it's kind of weird that he wasn't the main character for it. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. It was hard to watch. And then... When you see that part, really got me. Um, when they land on the, the French beach, oh, on the Vichy French, yeah, yeah. And then um, they're fighting the guy who the guy in command because they don't want to follow orders, they don't want to shoot the Americans, and then they're coming onto the beach. And I was like, oh shit, they're all gonna die, and they don't. Um, but then that mishap happens, which is crazy. Um, I don't know. I yep. don't know how I feel about this movie. <laughs> no, you know what? Fuller is interesting. Be- they had like interesting stories, but it felt like a lot of short stories. And then they go on a boat and then there's another little short story yeah. and then they go on a boat. And it's another short story that, um, I don't know. I didn't feel the progression with the characters. It wasn't cohesive for me. I don't know. I don't it, know how I felt. It sometimes this plays like a long episode of like it, for me it feels very much like a TV movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you know, sometimes in TV you're under constraints so you don't have time to elaborate because like hey, this is a movie of the week and we only have 2 hours so there's no time for character development and we've got to work commercials in here too. So that's the way it feels to me sometimes. And so you're right. They sacrifice some of that character development for and this is, I think, I believe it's based on a lot of his World War II experiences. Um, the director was in World War II. And everywhere that, um, everywhere they went, he he had been. You think this is kind of weird that these guys would be in every major, uh, you know. Um, he was, everywhere that they went in this movie, he went to. He was in Africa, and then he was yeah. in um, 
That was surprising because um, Sicily, yeah. yeah, it's surprising. Well, back I in- mean, he, it's amazing he lived. It's amazing he lived to tell the tale. I think he got a Purple Heart and a couple other medals because he was in. It was Africa, Sicily, Belgium, he, uh, Czechoslovakia. Everywhere they went, uh, that's Sam Fuller was actually there. So it's a miracle that he lived through all that. And back in those days, it's you know when you get to, when we get into the Vietnam era, you always hear like you'll you'll start hear the the characters talking about well when I get home and do this, and you know I only have a year, I only have so many days left. That didn't happen in World War II. You were in and you were in for the duration. That was it. Like it, until the war was yeah. over, you were in the army or the Marines or the you Navy or whatever. Right. So they joined yeah. probably yeah, they joined probably right yeah. after right after Pearl Harbor. And then they get trained in Europe, and then it's off to, you know, North Africa, and then you know you're now you're hopping, you're going into Sicily and Italy and fighting your way up. Um, so, I mean that, yeah, that's crazy to think that's four years almost of just. Uh, and they're sending them where all the hot spots are. Every time they think they're going to get like a well deserved rest, they get sent to the next hot spot. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, when I saw the D-Day one, I was like, what? And there, too? It was just crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there are some scenes. Uh, Samuel Fuller is really good at doing, kind of showing, like, the brutality. So the scene that always stuck with me when I first saw this was when they're uh, when they're running away from the tanks in the desert and they have to dig the foxholes and some of the guys are getting crushed by the tanks in the foxholes. It's like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. that's so horrible. And so everybody just takes oh off running. God. Like, you know, so there are so like, you're right, Justine, it feels a little um, erratic. It feels a little erratic and like, but I think that was part of, because it got cut. I think it was taken out of it. I, I don't know if he cut it or it was taken out of his hands, but I think. It no, was, no, he didn't cut it. Yeah. He didn't cut it. They, the studio cut it. Yeah. If it was a modern day movie, it would have been a limited series on HBO. Mm-hmm. And each episode would have taken care and it just would have been one season. It would have been like Band of Brothers, pretty much. Band of Brothers. Yeah. It it would have been like Band of Brothers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Jake, what did you think of of, uh, the big red one? Um, I thought thought this was a great movie. Yeah. Um, It is true you really don't get a lot of time to connect with the... uh... Uh Uh-oh. Jake, we lost you there for a second. Are you okay, buddy? Yeah, I'm okay. (laughs) I you, was kind of I was scared for a second. I don't know where you guys went. You were about to tell us about uh, about uh, what your thoughts on the big red one. I apologize. We cut you off there. Go for it, my it was man. Big. It was red, and there was <laughs> and one. there was one. Yeah, and there was one. Mm-hmm. But no, it was solid. Um, you really don't get a whole lot of time to get to know them. Yeah. Up until towards the end, where you've seen them in so many situations, you can kind of. You kind of piece it together from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of reflects, they mentioned that they didn't really get to know anybody apart from the, apart from the four guys who are all stuck together because they're the only ones who were kept. They're the only ones who were alive. So it's almost like you're getting it from perspective of like one of the, one of the soldiers. Yeah. And they don't even but, know the Sergeant that well. You never, you never know his name. No. They just call him Sergeant. So mm-hmm. I think that's, I think part of that is maybe, uh, you know, it's just easier to do that than instead of going to, you know, into deep, uh, you know, you know, hey, this guy's Italian. Hey, this guy's an artist. Hey, you kind of get a, like a sketch, a thumbnail sketch of each of them. But, yeah, it doesn't really go in, uh, too, into too much detail. But, um, yeah, I think this focuses much more on their 
experience rather than the you know uh, it, it's not like a character stu- character study. Um, but you did like it though. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good, um, a little bit more um, like a raw point of view of mm-hmm. World War of World War Two. Uh, did Especially you... when they showed the internment camp, or they showed the yes. internment camps. Jesus, that that's one of the first. This, this is one of the first movies to show something like that. Uh, and he did liberate. They yeah. did liberate that camp. Samuel Fuller was there when they uh, liberated that uh, concentration camp. Um, yeah, he, they, shot, he also shot footage of it. Yeah, they 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 that, did they that did was a, used later. They did a lot of um, like you said. There's a lot of hopping around in this, uh, like Justine pointed out. But I feel like it it's still there's a little it misses some cohesiveness, but it's not a bad movie. It's it's really you do get into no. it and you do you know you do. Uh, end up being invested in what what's going to happen and, and the things. And there's a, a little bit of a, they, there's enough of a, a humor in it too, that you kind of, there's some lighter moments where it's not. A little com- bit. There's not completely oppressive, but it's not, you know, to give you a few, a few moments of, of uh, humor here or uh, mm-hmm. here and there. Uh, but a lot of it's just comes like out of the situation. who. The guy that goes, that steps Sorry. on the mine. Is that what you were going to say? Uh-huh. No, like the lighter moments when when is it? It's one of the one of the random soldiers. Um, they were asking about um, like if you could do anything to a girl, what would you do? And he was like, I would have her stick her ass outside of a window till her ass got freezing cold. She said, "Now then, I'd warm it up." Uh, John, what did you think of this one? Um. I think I like. It's weird. I think I liked it better when I uh, when I saw it when it came out. You know, in the theaters. Um, I think this thing needs a bigger screen than what I've got. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a big. Yeah, I'm, my screen's like 30, 30 inches, and I think seeing this on a bigger screen was a was a bigger deal. Oh, um, that's interesting. I don't yeah. Think, I don't think I had seen this. When did this come out? Eighty. Nineteen eighty. Yeah. Nineteen. I don't think I I've seen this since it came out, and. Um, there are moments that are flat, but there are moments that just pull you right in. And once you realize that this is based on the reason it's hopping around is because it's based on a true story of a guy that really was hitting every major spot, you know, it mm-hmm. kind of uh, makes it different. Yeah. Um, he does have a certain approach to these things. He's done some really great war movies that were black and white, maybe like an hour and a half. So the fact that this is spread over like, you know, two and a half hours it's uh, it covers a little more ground. Also, having seen Saving Private Ryan, you know, I know Spielberg's really big on on Sam Fuller, but that movie almost takes it to to new heights. You know, sure, sure, and and so there are people that uh, like Scorsese and those guys. They really love Sam Fuller, and um, I think with this movie, it's if he had maybe I don't know if it would have helped if he had a bigger budget, but um, I think there's a flatness to some of the scenes. And yeah, like I said, put your finger. On, you the, the, can't put your finger on why because it's pretty heavy stakes. It's a true story. It's pretty heavy stakes, you know. I think that's what I meant. That's I think that's what I was trying to to say when I said it. Sometimes it feels like a TV movie where it doesn't quite yeah. feel like something theatrical. There's a, there's some moments of flatness that we used to get in those TV movies of the week where you just kind yeah. of like you know you know it's the direction or you know the you know the the the, uh, the you know maybe the art direction or the 
the production just doesn't have what it needs to kind of fill the space, right? You know, and uh, I feel like I it's feel probably, like um, it's probably the biggest budget he ever had, even though it's a low budget movie. If you look at it, this is probably the most money he ever had to work with. You know, yeah. Um, is this it, was an A picture. This was an A picture, and he probably never really had that kind of budget before. Was Sam Fuller the director who got into it with Richard Woodmark because he would fire a gun at the start of the take? And I think him and no, oh, that wasn't him. I don't think, I don't think so. I might be wrong on that. I don't think that's him. I think that might be uh that might be Henry Hathaway. Oh, okay. Um, but um, I think there was another line that Sam Fuller had. I think if I got this right, I think somebody was talking about making a war movie really realistic, as realistic as possible, so the audience really feels like they're going through it. And uh, the director said. There's no way to do that unless you've got somebody on the other side of the screen shooting at the audience. <laughs> he, said, he says, other than that, you might as well give it up because you're only going to get so close. Unless you're really in the middle of it, you can't do it. Yeah. But uh, having said that, if you see some of his other movies like this, The Steel Helmet and um, Six Bayonets and things like that, yeah. my God, that one, he that was about, uh, that's really one to check out, The Steel Helmet. That's the one, it was about uh, Korea and it was it was the first movie to to uh, to uh, to do a story set in Korea, and it was while the Korean War was still going on. You know, wow. kind of a rarity. Sure, you know, kind of like with Vietnam. The Vietnam movies didn't come until the war was over. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, and I think it was the same with uh, movies about Korea. They did stuff during World War II, but that was more like uh, they, they were more jingoistic, right. like gung ho and it's, and things like that. Yeah, it's more to keep the keep your spirits up, like yeah. you know, but more like, and, yeah, more like. Propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. But yeah. Fuller, Fuller's very, he's the antithesis of that. He's very much. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and you know, he's worth checking out, you know, uh, and he did a lot of like, uh, like hard boiled, like film noir type stuff. Sure. There's one called the uh, House of Bamboo. And um, if you look at his filmography, I would say all of those movies are worth checking out. There's another one called Shock Corridor. And uh, um, uh-huh. I, I think that's the one where the guy goes into the, uh, the insane asylum. To kind of do an expose, and he finds himself sort of like stuck in there. So he did a lot of really gritty stuff. His stuff is worth checking out, but it's um, it's no nonsense. There's yeah. no frills. It really just puts you straight in, and he's not looking for fancy camera shots. That's that's he just really wants to put you right yeah. in the situation. You know. Yeah, I think that's what uh, maybe what, what we've seen in some movies that up to this point, like The Longest Day, and some of the other like Great Escape. You know, those are actually really well shot kind of you know they take up the whole you know they use every inch of the screen like that sort of thing and there's a lot of that missing saving private ryan sure yeah which we haven't hit yet that's the one yeah but up to this point the the world war ii movies we've seen have been almost epic and this seems a little bit more intimate even though there are big battles taking place um there it's very intimate in a lot of ways the problem it might be that because this is told from the ground this is told from the foot soldiers perspective and a lot of these other movies are taking other viewpoints. This is really like just down in the mud. Yeah. And it's probably closer. This is shot by somebody who did it. So this is probably closer to what it was like. Sure. Like Platoon. Oliver Stone shot Platoon. And they said, well, this isn't as cinematic as like Apocalypse Now. It's like, no, because he was a foot soldier. This stuff is down in the trenches because that's where Oliver Stone was, you know. Sure, yeah. He's yeah. not going to glamorize it. They're not showing the background. You don't see... 
you don't see like hills. You don't see that in there. Yeah. Even when they're on the beach, it's all close up. Everything's close up. Far. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. it's their, it's their yeah. viewpoint. Yeah. But, and that also could be because of lack of money too, because it's like, Hey, we can't fill yeah, the background definitely. with a ton of extras, you know? So everything, yeah, you're right. Everything's like a tight two shot. It's Lee Marvin and Mark Hamill or Lee, Lee Marvin and one of the other guys. And that's pretty much it, you know, until you get to spots where it is, Hey, we're on the beach and there's nobody on the beach. It's like, Oh, well, here's a whole shot of the beach, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, this is a movie that, uh, I go I go back and forth with because uh, it was one of my believe it or not I had an uncle who was in the first infantry division but he was in Vietnam he was in the in his you know you see his picture he's got the red one on his shoulder but then he was also attached to uh, his unit got attached to the 101st Airborne uh, I forgot how so he you know it's weird you know the Screaming Eagles so it's like I, I was weird but um, somehow he ended up being a um, uh, one of the pilots for the 101st airborne or the aircraft. No. Yeah. No, he wasn't a pilot. He must've been a pilot in the air cab. Somehow he ended up, I don't know. I don't know. I, he's passed on. I wish I would have asked him, but he explained it to me once and I never followed up. But, um, but yeah, he, um, he was in the, in the first infantry division in Vietnam. So they were still around, you know, in Vietnam. So, um, you know, some of those units and they go back, I think yeah. they go way back. Too. Some of those, some of those units yeah. don't, you know, they disband after a while, but some of those guys go way back, you know? So, uh, yeah, my uncle was in the, and so he loved this movie, you know, just cause it was like, Hey, these are the guys that came before me. You know, these are what these guys did in uh -huh. world war two, you know? So, um, so he liked it. He was a big fan of this movie and you know, my, you know, him and my, you know, my dad was in Korea and there were certain actors that my dad would, you know, kind of follow and, I think Lee Marvin was one of those guys that my dad was like, yeah, that's a, that guy, you know, he was in, he was actually in the military. So, you know, you know, I'll, 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 that's a good movie. Cause this guy's in it, you know, that kind of thing, you know? So, he was uh, in the Marines, I think Lee Marvin was yeah, in the Marines. He was in the Marines. Yeah. yeah. He was in the Marine Corps. And uh, we so, all know Lee Marvin, big favorite of Justine. Did that, um, did that, uh, was that, did that detract from your enjoyment, uh, Justine? Mm, I saw him. I was like, great. <laughs> He's actually very good in this. He's very quiet, very kind of kind of ta uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, um, uh, taciturn. 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 Thank you. He doesn't uh, say much, so yeah, kind of laconic and, and he didn't burst out in song. So yeah, oh, now, yeah, you saw him in Paint Your Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the most atypical Lee Marvin movie. <laughs> Let me it's ask so you weird. this: it, I think it's. Only musical he did. He did like probably like eighty films. That's the only musical he ever did. Wasn't probably. he in Cat Baloo? Did he do Cat Baloo as well? He got the Oscar for Cat Baloo. Okay, but that's that not a musical. A that was a that wasn't a musical. It was a comedy. That has got some musical numbers with uh, Nat King Cole and Stubby K. But uh, it wasn't really? exactly. They're they're like the Greek chorus, you know. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen Cat That's what Lee Marvin got. His, he got the Oscar for a comedy. Cat Baloo was a comedy. That's crazy. And, uh, he's playing. He's playing two characters. He's playing like uh, like uh, brothers, lookalike brothers. You know, one's a gunslinger and one's a drunk. And so you got to hand it to him. You know, he wasn't just a a guy that did war movies. You sure. Know? Uh, Justine, between let me ask you this: between the eyebrows this week, whose eyebrows win? Was it Lee Marvin's or was it Ming the Merciless uh, in the Battle of the Eyebrows for uh, for this week? <laughs> The Battle of the Eyebrows. 
<laughs> I need to look at that. Yeah, Lee Marvin's got some <laughs> Lee eyebrows. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin has some years on him. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> not. It's not. These the, are long. It's not the years. It's, I mean, it's the mileage. Looks like that. Yeah, you buy him as that character. You do buy Lee Marvin as that character. That is one thing I will give him. You, you, he inhabits that character. So you, you, you buy. You have to direct. Probably, probably very little direction because he was in the Marines. So what are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna tell them? You know? Sure. It's, like- it's amazing. There's a whole generation of guys who do those movies, who do war movies, who were all in the war. You know, they were all That's in right. the war. And you think about other people that turn up. You know, that are World War II veterans, like and. Uh, uh, I always think of the professor from Gilligan's Island was a you know all those guys were like World War II vets and they 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 it's a whole generation of actors who who have that experience to like you know call upon you know it's crazy Clark Gable sure Jimmy Stewart and, you know uh, all those Jimmy guys Stewart yeah Cl- even Clint Eastwood you know Clint Eastwood you know all those guys had done time in the military because at that time after yeah. World War II it was still you know it's still you could still get drafted and you still you know so it's kind of amazing I think a lot of actors. Um, there's a whole lot of actors that learned. Uh, they went to acting school on the GI Bill. Yeah. You know? Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach was one of those guys. Yeah. You know, they yeah. they, they might have never been able to go otherwise. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting yeah. movie. It's a little bit of an anachronism. The uh, the um, the Big Red One because it's kind of harkening back to an earlier style of filmmaking that we've kind of and remember Flash Gordon and and, and Big Red One are released in the same year. So think about that for a second. Think about <laughs> think about what's going on uh, in. Uh, uh, in, in people's minds, would somebody have seen the same movie that year? Maybe some cinephile. Uh, I can't stop staring at Justine's I hair. I love it. I hope you guys do too. Gorgeous. You can't see Gorgeous. it. Gorgeous. Uh, so you did see these in the same year, John. You did see these both. Oh yeah, that's right. You did see them I both. Saw both. I saw them both. Uh, yeah, in the theater that year. Yeah. What drew you to this one? Uh, I'd heard a lot about Sam Fuller. I think at that point I hadn't seen anything by Sam Fuller because in those days you had to kind of run across it on the late show. There was no videotapes or DVD or sure. cable. You had to kind of run across it and everyone always talked him up. And, um, I saw that Mark Hamill was in it and Lee Marvin. So I thought, what the heck? Yeah. And I remember the trailer being kind of interesting too. So I just, I don't know. Then as and now, I just caught a lot of movies. So Mark Hamill did, checked it out. Mark Hamill did a great job, and it's really sad that he got kind of typecast as Luke because I thought he was fine in this. It's, you know, it's, this it's, is right after uh, Empire Strikes Back, and yeah, you do think uh, you look at his filmography and you go, he could have done more movies like this. I don't know why he didn't. You know, yeah. What did you think of a young Mark Hamill? Was he uh, was he handsome outside of uh, in his uh, uniform there, uh, Justine? I thought he was. Yeah. I never thought he was as Luke. So this no, movie, just... it was like, I thought I was going to get more of him and I didn't. So that was kind of a loss, but um, I wanted more of him. Yeah. Justine, uh, Justine, what did you think of that uh, that scene toward the end where he's in the concentration camp and he finds the guy hiding in the oven and he just flips out, just, just can't stop shooting him? It's... It was pretty hard to watch that. It was a really tough scene. I think uh, when I was watching that scene, Patrick walked into the room and he's like, whoa, what's happening? Like, what happened to him? And I was like, no, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, it's kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I knew like Patrick didn't even see the movie, but he saw that scene. He was like, wow, what's a powerful scene. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. 
Lee Marvin's eyes are just kind of like, oh, I think we've lost him, you know? Yeah, and yeah he, he's just in the background like, all right. But he, but he, he kind of gives him... He, I think you got him. Yeah, he, but he kind of gives yeah, him his time. Him. He doesn't try to snap him out of it, it was either. He was there for support. He was just there for support. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of nice unspoken moments with that character that you kind of like... I do need to get uh, my hands on the extended cut. I saw it once... And I, I, I haven't seen it again. I need to watch it again. That's what I watched. But the, I watched that. But the problem is, I'm not quite sure. I haven't watched the extras, so I don't know how much. What I watched, I don't know what was cut out. What okay. was trimmed. Sure. So I watched the whole thing. I'm thinking now, which which ones, which scenes were taken out? Yeah. You know? And uh, how did that affect the movie? But I'll watch the commentary track, and maybe he'll identify it. The guy that restored it has a commentary track and he'll, he'll probably identify which okay, scenes cool, back yeah. in. I try to get the director's cut when I can anytime, but this one is not available. So I was, I had to stream you it. You know, this is the, um, this was reconstructed after Sam Fuller passed away, uh, years after he passed away. And what they, they found the footage and they also found the shooting script. And so they painstakingly put it back together again. And, um, it was Richard Schickle, who's, who's written all those books on Clint Eastwood. Oh, sure, sure. He's a film critic, but he's done a lot of uh, film restoration, too. All right. Well, we'll have to look for that. All right, you guys. Let's rank the big red one. John, what do you give it? I'm going to give it an eight. All right, an eight from John. Jake? I'm going I'm to agree with John. That was a solid eight. Eight. Justine? I'll give it a six. All right. I'm going to go right wow. in between and go seven. I'm going to give it a seven. What would have made it in uh, uh, a little higher for you, Justine? Because you liked it as much as Casablanca. So we, we have to give the... <laughs> it's the Casablanca conundrum. Uh, would you rather watch this again or Casablanca? I just wouldn't watch it again. So. Oh, oh, you wouldn't watch it again? You, Which one? That's exactly why Casablanca is rated low. I just... Will not watch them again. So you just so you, ah, you just wow. saw it once. It once was enough. You don't need to revisit it. I don't see myself ever watching it again. Like if I saw it on the directory or TV guide or whatever you call the thing now, the menu, the guide, the guide, the guide. sure, the guide. <laughs> I would not watch it if I saw it on Netflix. I won't watch it if okay. it's for free. I won't watch it. Nice. If it's already if you- on TV, I will change the channel. What? What wow. would? What? What? Wow! Not that I'm mad at it. I just don't care enough. I would see if there's uh, something better. Like I just rather watch something okay. else than watch. I got it. That's a fair yeah, assessment. I get it. That's a fair yeah. assessment. I I feel that way about a lot of movies, where I've watched it once and I'm like, well, okay, I never need to see that again. It's fine. And uh, you don't yeah, hate it, like Zardoz. <laughs> No, Zardoz, I actually hate. I actively hate. So that's that's different. <laughs> you actively hate. I hate uh, <laughs> Jeff from Hung uh, from. I almost said Jeff from Hung Fu. Jeff from Kung Fu Hustle. I owe him still. I got to figure out some sort of revenge. Uh, There's got to be something I can say. You, know, you have to you have to add Logan's Run with that also with Flash Gordon. Lo- and Logan's Run is it was a slight step above Zardoz, and again colors, and basically, but it was yeah. pretty terrible. But uh, I think um, Justine's onto something. That's like a triple feature from hell. Is uh, <laughs> is uh, Flash Gordon, Zardoz, and uh, Logan's Run? That's yeah. really a yeah. It's a triple feature you know for you. From hell <laughs> is a James Bond marathon. So. <laughs> oh, but by the way, James by the Bond way, Marathon. Justine, so many people online on on Twitter were just were just 
loving the fact that we're doing all of the James Bond movies. So, uh, I, you know, I apologize. I apologize. But you and the you and the lily pot can fight it out. She said she's she said she's not afraid of you, mostly because she's so far away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah. So uh, happy happy uh, happy Thanksgiving from us <laughs> to Justine. <laughs> You have James Bond to be thankful for. But not next week, Justine, because next week we're going to be watching um, The Princess Bride. Bride. Spinal Tap. And uh, this is Spinal Tap. It's a Rob Reiner double feature here. Uh, That's how we're going to close out November. We're going to close it out with some some Spinal Tap and some uh, Princess Bride. Pretty exciting. Should we just all give Princess... Should we just all tell everybody what our Princess Bride score is since we really don't need to get into it? That's weird. Solid. How do you mean? <laughs> no, I mean everybody knows. I mean it's a, it, it, it's because it's a movie that everybody's seen uh, a million times. So, so you want to do the scores right now? No, no, no. We're gonna watch them. I love the. I, I do All like right. that movie. It's not gonna get a ten. Poor Patrick. Don't spoil it for him. But it's not getting a ten. What? He, he, huh? What? 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 You think it, I've you, never seen a spinal tap. I don't even know what it's about. Oh my god, Justine. Whoa. We don't want to ru- that it sounds like an album for some rock band. Or oh, okay. The money. We're not going to say a word. The money. Don't say a word. Or if, or if it's not about that, then it's about a wrestler. <laughs> but I don't know what spinal tap. So he said the name and I just told him what I thought it meant cuz I don't know what it looks like. Oh, Justine, you are in for a treat. You are in for a treat. It doesn't sound like it if it's what I think it is. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's what, be what do you think it is? I feel like it's going to be a story about a rock band going on tour. Um, <laughs> being stupid. I don't know if it's a serious movie. It can't be a serious movie. It's called Spinal Tap. <laughs> I, I'll I give you a hint. A wonderful movie. Follow some band that people like and it's, mm. I don't know. Just see, we're I'll gonna give you a hint. Just one small hint. This was billed as a mockumentary. Oh, okay. So, okay. So it's not going to be good. <laughs> no, no, it's I mean, great. It has to be a comedy. Um, they have to be on tour. There's going to be stupid fights. There's going to be. <laughs> God, you make that sound like it's a bad thing. <laughs> You're going to see boobs. You're going to see like them signing some girl's boobs. I don't know. It just doesn't. Justine. I just pr- hey, Mario. I think Mario it's, it, it's like Justine's writing the movie, right? <laughs> it's like she is, but she's, she's, she's close, but she's just far enough away that it's, it's fun. To, it's going to be fun to compare what she thought with what is actually happening. So Justine, you know, the movies, you know, all of the Christopher guest movies, like, uh, Uh-oh. best Uh-oh. in show. Where'd he go? Oh. What does that happen? Why does that happen? Am I here? He's back. Jake, have you seen Final Tap? No. See? So, Justine, you know, you know all the, you know all the Chris Guest movies like, uh, like uh, Best in Show and all of those, like Mighty Wind. Have you ever seen any of those? I've seen parts of them. I've never seen those movies in full. Okay. Uh, that, um, this is kind of where that all got started. This this movie was where that all got started. That whole like like mock the, documentary. Like, what's that? Um, what's Jack Black's band called again? Oh, Tenacious D. Yeah, I feel like it's following that, and it's a movie. 
No. No, Tenacious D is following Spinal Tap. Yeah. And it's not as funny as Spinal Tap, I have to say. Enough said. It's this is a, this is just, you know, just watch it for sure. So just based off of the name, I got pretty close to what it's about. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very close. You're right on the money. The part where you don't think it sounds like, yeah, you, you nailed it. But it sound, the part you're wrong about is it sounds like you're not going to like it. I think I think you're going to laugh a lot. OK. All right. But I've been wrong. I've been wrong like a million times. I go, oh, Justine's going to love this. And they're like, what, nah. year, what year is Spinal Tap? 83. Mm. 83? Mm, I don't know. 83 or 84? <laughs> you want to run that? Real? I'm, guessing, I'm guessing there's going to be face painting in it. Face painting? Hmm. Not like a You're kiss see- thing happening? Just, just, you know what's funny? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. What, what you have to understand, Justine, is it's this is a movie, and I'm going to let you off the hook, and I'm probably revealing too much. This is a movie that makes fun of everything you're talking about. Everything you're talking about and you're rolling your eyes, they're doing it too. But they're doing it in a way that like, like they're kind of – they hate the same things you hate about about the rock and roll like that, that era of rock, of like arena well, rock. Guessing. Unfortunately, there at the end, we didn't get to hear what Justine had to say because we lost our connection again. We had some technical difficulties today, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go ahead and sign off for everybody, but we want to wish all of our listeners a wonderful and happy and safe Thanksgiving. Please, 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 please try to stay healthy and uh, and and have a wonderful holiday, and we will be back next week with Spinal Tap and The Princess Bride. So for Jake, for Justine, and for John Sandy, I will say... This transmission ends now. Fight the power.